Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Lord, we thank you for Tracy this morning. I pray that you would bring the message from heaven right through her. Bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, babe. Uh, yeah, so those of you who are new, you've never met me before. My name is Pastor Tracy Eckert. And um, yes, I just wanted to point out that I'm a girl and I'm preaching. Don't be scared. It's okay. I want you to know that I am one that is in and under authority, my husband and the board of elders. So um, the uh, Jesus actually told us that and through Paul, the Apostle Paul that we will not be known any longer as male or female or by Jew or Greek, but we will be known by the Spirit. So as I stand here today, I want you to know that I am filled with the Holy Spirit and he has something to say. Amen. But he's going to say it with big Texas hair and, you know, come on. <clears throat> All right. So I felt like today as uh, we were singing, I felt uh, just this anthem that was coming out of this house. And the anthem was, we will not be silent. And I felt like there was so much power and strength and prophecy on that that was coming out of your voices to this city and over this nation. And I felt it hitting the, the streets of the city and it was resonating, even uh, pushing back on uh, the, the silencing that's happening um, through the enemy. Now, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Amen. But uh, we are in a war. You know that, right? We are in a battle right now. And a lot of us um, who are have been Christians for a lot longer than some of you, and uh, we've never seen this kind of warfare. And the kind of warfare, spiritual warfare, that's taken on a very natural thing. Uh, covering our faces, covering our mouths, uh, is spiritual warfare. Because don't you know Jesus has something to say? He's always talking, and um, and we literally have to say and declare, we will not be silent in this hour, because Jesus is coming, and we need to proclaim that to the highest heights. All right, so let me just pray. Well, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come, that you would come this morning, God. Would you illuminate and enlighten our understanding Father, I ask for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are, God, that we would fully comprehend the height and the depth and the width of your love, God, and that we would be um, wrecked this morning by the revelation of what you want to bring. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, so uh, we're doing a series on uh, abiding in Christ or abiding in love. And I think it's really important right now because uh, Psalm 91 is is a... It's a crucial uh, place in the scripture for us this morning. And the reason why is because we want to be covered. We want to be protected. We want to um, have everything that we need in order to advance the kingdom right now. So Psalm 91 is a beautiful scripture that the Lord gave us so that we can be grafted into the reality of heaven and release heaven on the earth. Okay, it's not just about hiding from trouble. It's about um, pushing through trouble, being covered by the blood of Jesus and the Holy Spirit and conquering the darkness on the behalf of God. When Jesus came, you know, the first thing that happened to him, this actually, none of this is in my notes, but I'm just going to go with it. 
first thing that happened to him is he got taken into the wilderness. How many of you have been wooed into the wilderness? <laughs> you know, when a prophecy comes, you're like, oh, no, they're prophesying over me. <laughs> Something's about to happen. So he, 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 the promise is there that he is the beloved son, gets taken to the wilderness. Well, what does Satan do? He tempts him with fame and fortune, and that he's going to give him all of the kingdoms of the earth. And so what you have happening right now is you have light and darkness warring over what the truth is of who has ownership over the kingdoms of the earth. Now, Jesus did not take the bait. What he said is, get behind me. You will worship God and him alone. I will not bow to Satan, but I will only bow and worship my God, my father. Why did he say that? Because he knew he was about to go get the keys to the kingdom and he was about to give the keys to the kingdom to God's kids. You have the keys to the kingdom to take the kingdoms of this earth and make them the kingdoms of our God. So the good news is we're in a battle. We're in a war, which is a lot more fun than going to the movies on Friday nights. Amen. Okay, so we got the privilege of leaving those boring days behind where all we had to do is la-da-da-da-da, shop for pleasure or plan a vacation or whatever. Now we get to see the kingdom of heaven come to the earth because God's sleeping army is not going to be silent anymore. Amen? All right. So in Psalm 91, it says very clearly, Psalm 91.1 and Psalm 91.2, it says to those who abide under the shadow of the Most High. There is actually an if and then to Psalm 91. It's not just, I'm going to declare Psalm 91 and live however I want. There's actually an abiding that is required to benefit from the prosperity, the blessings, the covering from sickness, disease, every kind of pestilence, every kind of heartache. You are under Psalm 91. I'm telling you, those things will not come near you. So I felt like this summer that we really needed to be talking about that and we needed to be talking about abiding because if you, if you look at the Western church and even that word, it's not a common word that we use in our, in our vernacular. It's not common that we sit around and say, Hey, have you abided with the Lord today? You know, it just, it's not common. So I wanted to go there. And, um, last week, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about what it is uh, really with the Godhead and how the Godhead abides with each other, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What do they do? 24-7, they're having a party. 24-7, they're talking and loving each other. And it's a kind of supernatural love that we can all actually now get grafted into that level of love. We have the privilege to touch something that is otherworldly. We serve and worship the uncreated God. The enemy, all of these people who are worshiping Satan, he is a created being. I'm like, I don't know about you, but I'm not playing on the B team. I'm playing on the A team. Amen? <laughs> all right, so 
as we were talking about that, this week, I really want to dive into John 15, and I want to talk about abiding. And I love, um, I love how Jesus always used scripture and, 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 um, uh, parables about, uh, gardening, which is interesting because he's a carpenter. He's not really, you know, he's not really a farmer. He was a carpenter, right? But his, he uses that because, uh, God very clearly put in place at creation sowing and reaping. When he said everything will reproduce after itself, right? And so there's a basic principle here. And so Jesus throughout, and you can go, and I encourage you to study out. If you want to know about the kingdom, study the parables having to do with farming. Because it's all about sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. What you sow, you will reap. You sow mercy, you're going to reap mercy. You sow love, you're going to reap love. You sow judgment, you will reap judgment. You sow uh, whatever, gossip, you're going to reap gossip. You sow jealousy, you're going to reap jealousy. It works that way 100% of the time. There are no exceptions because God ordained it in the beginning when he said every seed will reproduce after itself, okay? All right. John 15 is the high point in scripture about us relating to Jesus. So if you want to know what Jesus thinks about us relating to Jesus, you go to John 15. So open up your Bibles and we're going to start in verse four. Come on, I know there's some actual paper Bibles out there. I love the sound of just swish. Swish. Your, your, your smartphones just don't make the same noise. You know, it's like, give me it right here in my hands. Can I talk to everybody in here that's old school? Can I just get it? Ooh, ooh. So good. I love that paper, you know? Wouldn't you love to work in that factory? I want to work in the factory where they make the Bible. Oh. All right. John 15, verse 4. Uh, Jesus is talking here in um, chapters 14, 15, 16, and 17. And he's talking, uh, and he's, he's basically telling them how to live because he's about to go home and be betrayed and then go home. And so he wanted to leave them with some real meat. So it's really kind of the summation of all things that have been happening over the three years that he was here. All right, verse 4. Jesus says this, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. And then let's skip down to verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And so he says here, I am the vine. In other words, he is saying to you and to me, I am the source of life. And then he goes in and he says, and you are the branches, meaning that you are now the expression of, on the earth of the source of life. And then he goes in, and I love this, and he says, I am doing this 
so that, okay, so he's saying, I have an objective. This is my mission statement. This is the strategy. Are you ready? So that you will bear much fruit from this connection. So we're grafted in, we're, we're connected to the source and the, and Jesus is saying the expression of who I am and what I am doing, I'm now going to bring it through you so that you can make the earth look like heaven, which we were singing this morning on earth as it is in heaven, on earth as it is in heaven. You are declaring that over the city and that is very important. Because primarily, what is happening will only happen if it comes through your mouth. The first place that heaven is going to be seen on earth is out of the saints of the Most High who have come into agreement with the source who is Jesus and they begin to declare the truth and the truth will go out and begin to build up or tear down. That's why the enemy is trying to cover your mouth. Because he already knows what's coming. And he's going to try everything he can to keep you from declaring it. But we will not be silent. Then he goes on and he develops the critical point. Know this. Those who abide in me and I abide in them, that the person will bear fruit as the branch. Remember, you are the branch and you will release his life. But there's no releasing his life without abiding. There's no releasing his life. He made it very clear. There is a requirement to releasing Christ in the earth and absence of abiding. You are just releasing a lot of flesh. This is a two-way abiding relationship. He said, I chose you so that your fruit would remain. He says it here in John chapter 15, verse 16. So look at that with me. He said this, choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit so that your fruit would remain. And whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give you. And so he's looking for enduring fruit, fruit that will remain throughout the ages of all time and for all eternity. You are in the long game. This is not short pleasure. It's not a seasonal thing. You are in the long game. What you want, again, playing for team A is a winning team with a winning strategy that you're not going to have temporary victory, but that when you are abiding and connected to him, the things that he is doing in you and through you will remain for eternity. Think about that for a minute. Think about the privilege of loving God 
having his love come into you and just that point of, of having those kind of encounters where your heart is being transformed in love, that transformation is eternal because it's coming from the place of abiding. Amen? He is saying that he will recognize this abiding forever and it is something that moves his heart. You can move the Father's heart through abiding in the Son. And he recognizes it, not just in this age, but he recognizes it for eternity. That you are abiding in his heart. And you've chosen to change things in your life, your time. You've given him your time, your energy. You've, you've, you've refused to become bitter because you're like, no, I'm abiding in the vine. He is worthy. He is worthy that I respond in love. He is worthy that I grow in love. He is worthy that I continue to cultivate my garden in love. Amen? So he abides, and how does he do that? How do you abide? Well, one of the ways is you talk to him. Abiding, you're talking to Jesus. Isn't that awesome? We get to talk to him. So people who talk to him, he will talk back. You draw near to God, and what? Right. So I talk to him, and what happens? He's right there. He didn't go somewhere. He didn't like, I was up at the 7-Eleven getting more ice cream, which is what we've been doing. Like, you know, we've got our grandkids at the house, and it's like, we're out of ice cream. I'm like, I guess. <laughs> Sam, go to the 7-Eleven, you know. I love having teenagers, don't you, that drive. All right, so um, there are various ways for God to talk to us. Okay, number one, when I'm talking to him, what will he do? He actually will impress something upon my heart. I will get this impression of things that he's saying to me, what I feel like he's saying, and also finding that the scripture words are coming alive. Like right here, I'm talking to Jesus, and I'm asking Jesus to talk to me. And the, I, I get this total download about Abraham Lincoln. Was I asking about Abraham Lincoln? No. But he gave me this, just this beautiful impression about the life of this man. He downloaded it to me. And so for me, that's a mystery unfolded. And so now I get to go back to him and say, tell me some more about what you were saying and how does that apply to my life today? How does it apply to what's happening with this generation? Because, and then once I get that, I'll say, oh Lord, that's so good. Now how can I turn that into a prayer or a declaration in order to shift or change something? How do I partner with you to see the kingdoms of this earth become the kingdoms of my God? 
We all want a life of purpose, and we think that purpose is being something that men will recognize. Right? They, we think success is something that other men will recognize. But see, success for the Lord looks a lot different. The fruit that he is after looks a lot different than the big house and the big car and the big business or the big checking account. Hallelujah. Fruit bearing to men and fruit bearing to God are not always the same thing. They can be, but they're not always the same thing. Many times men do not esteem godly fruit. They don't esteem humility or meekness or growing in love. They esteem being cutthroat and selfish and ambitious even to the detriment of others around them. But God. God will inspire our understanding of his word. We will get an epiphany of God's word when we go to him and abiding and having that conversation with Jesus. The word comes alive and ministers to us, and these mysteries will actually fuel a greater hunger in us. It actually causes us to want more of Jesus in a deeper way as we begin to have this conversation and God begins to land on the word and develop the word in a way that we can receive it. No matter where you are, whether you are um, a beginner Christian or whether you're a mature Christian, he's going to start developing that within our own hearts. In abiding. Wisdom is another way. Releasing clarity into the clutter that helps people feel safe. A lot of times when I don't know what's happening and I, you know, like there's so much confusion in what I'm being told, what happens is then I go, well, okay, I got to hear from the Lord. And so I just go into a, a, a very serious time of prayer and fasting until the plumb line comes or the truth comes from heaven and it it's like a clutter breaker and it breaks up the clutter and all of a sudden I get that place where I'm solid in Christ and in his truth. Therefore, I can be bold to declare it and also bold in, in how I know it. And it makes me feel safe. Because once you have the word of the Lord, you're like, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks or says. I've got the word of the Lord about what he says about me. And I have the word of the Lord about X, Y, and Z circumstance. Amen? And then uh, the fourth is to develop fruit. Faithfulness uh, remains in that place where God develops fruit. And it comes through this communication that gives significant meaning and makes a significant difference in your life. Everything is established through this communication. The meaning of your life 
is established through this communication. The direction of your life is established through this communication. And so the fruit that he's talking about here, again, it's this. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And what happens, we were just talking about having this conversation last night with someone. What happens is that when that begins to work in us, it begins to flow out of us. And it's that very fruit that transforms us on the inside, but it transforms the people that we're around on the outside. Because what happens is they're scared. They're in anxiety. They're having panic attacks. They have, they have a lot of negative emotions that are happening to them. And what happens is those that have Christ in them, the hope of glory, they have this fruitfulness going on on the inside. It, then that comes out and it dispels and brings down all of those negative things. They've just had an encounter with the living God through your life. Why? Because you're abiding and you are just being a conduit from heaven to earth. And you've allowed yourself to be transformed in this place of abiding. Now, when you're not abiding, you can tell. You know, you can tell. How many of you can tell when you're not abiding? Oh, boy. You get cut off in traffic and all of a sudden, you know, you're doing the whole, you know, middle finger and whatever. Circumstances. Here's what happens. We respond in a godly way. We don't respond to circumstances with fear, anger, jealousy, and outbursts of wrath. Right. Why? Because we got a handle on Jesus. We're holding on to him. We're abiding in him. Our tank is full of love. And so the only thing we can do is go. When we see people manifesting, we're like, oh, come here. Oh, wait, you're, you're saying really mean things to me right now. Come here. I love you. I love you. This is not phasing me. It's like it hits you, and it just hits that big bucket of love on the inside, right? Come on, guys. And this works in business, too, because these guys manifest in the marketplace, you know? And you're that, you're that, you're that place that isn't getting rocked by the situation. Oh, my gosh, we just lost all of these accounts. And you're like, it's going to be okay. Don't worry about it. Jesus has a solution, right? And then he uses you to bring the answer of what they all needed. As we grow in abiding, love becomes our pursuit and not things. So it's really a good way to measure where you are in your abiding and how you've grown and matured. Because when you're immature, not that it's bad, God loves us at every step of the way, and he, you know, he's faithful to grow us up. But I remember when I was first saved, man, I look no different than the world. And then several years later, I kind of almost didn't look different than the world. So it just took a lot of tugging because I got saved late in life. So it took a lot of help from the angelic in my house. Um, but I found that the more I grow in love, the less I really desire the things of the world. I'm like, eh, I don't need anything new. I don't really want anything new. Wait, I'm 
so satisfied because when you're full of love, that's all you think about. I just want more love. I just want more love. And that's the, and then you get to be like a love addict, which is better than a different kind of addict. So there are two types of fruit bearing in the Bible that Jesus is referring to when he talks about this. Number one, there is an inward bearing of fruit in our godly character that I was talking about. Love, peace, joy, long-suffering, it is all there, and it develops through abiding. Outside of abiding, you can go to counseling, which is good. You may need to learn some healthy boundaries, okay, or just how to say no or some self-love. But all of that happens here. It's basically behavior management and modification. Maybe you learned some things that when you were growing up that don't serve you anymore, so you may need to learn to act a certain way to so that you have better manners or something or boundaries. You know what I mean? Y'all are getting where I'm going. But really, it is only through the transformation of the human heart where we want to look like Christ and be image bearers of Jesus because the transformation that happens to us now be, becomes the transformation that we usher out into others. Now, our outward, then the second part is our outward ministry or our acts of service. All of that also comes because he's going to say, this is who you are in a place of abiding, but this is what I want you to go do. And so John and I, as we, as we spend our time every day before the Lord, what he's doing is he's, he's working in us and then he's also working through us. Amen. Abide in me and I will abide in you. All right. Us in abiding in him in, involves three main activities. Now I numbered these things for you because I know you guys like numbers. Okay. First you have to do this. Second you have to do that. Okay. So number one, the number one activity is talking with Jesus. The number two activity is trusting his word. And the number three activity is obeying his leadership. So number one, let's look at that. Here's the thing about talking with Jesus. How many of you know that you can be in the prayer room and not talk to Jesus? You can be in a worship service and not talk to Jesus. Let me tell you something. One of the reasons why at Storehouse, 99% of the worship you're going to hear here is all in first person. I don't want you singing about Jesus, even though there's so many amazing songs about singing about Jesus. They really are truly amazing. But we're going up. I want to worship in first person, and I want that, those words to get out of your mouth and into him because you're, you're communicating with Jesus, and you're saying things to him out of the flow of your heart, and it's causing that connection to begin to happen. And again, when you talk to Jesus, what's he going to do? Talk back. He's going to talk to you, and he sits there. If you don't talk to him for a couple of days, 
It's not like he's like in the next county when you start to talk to him. He's like, wait, I'll be there in a minute. No, he's right there, patiently waiting for you to re-engage with him. Man. Poof. He is a gentleman. You can be dancing. You can be journaling. You can be working on your computer. You can be playing a video game. You can be daydreaming. Or you can be having that conversation about the person that yelled at you and what you think you should have said instead of what you said. (laughs) And actually never talk to Jesus during all this time. You could spend two hours, like, in prayer, and you're like, you never really talked to Jesus. And I say this not to put a heavy yoke on you, but I say this because there's actually good news. There's something more. There's something more available for every single one of us. And that's the beauty of this, an ongoing dialogue with a person. You know, the Holy Spirit is person, right? He's not referred to as it. He's referred to as him. The Holy Spirit is a person waiting to talk to you. He is one of the three connected. If you're talking to him, you're talking to Jesus. If you're talking to Jesus, you're talking to the Father. Okay? He has a lot to say with you, but here is what is important. He allows you to set the pace of this interaction. It's all up to you. He is not going to come unless you say, Jesus, I love you. I have something to say to you today. And if we will demystify prayer and realize that he is a person that loves you with an everlasting love. Remember we talked about this last week. The father loves you like he loves the son. With the same intensity, the same desire, the same emotions. And that is the thing that causes us to say, Jesus. I've had a really bad day. I didn't mind my manners today. I may have yelled at somebody that cut me off in traffic. You know, you just have these real conversations with him. And he's a real God that says, hey, I get you. I understand you're really having a hard time. Let's talk about what's the truth behind what's really bothering you. He will continue to talk to you as long as you want it. If you stop the conversation, he will draw back and patiently wait for you to re-engage. He allows us to talk to him in the measure that we desire. The more we talk, the more fruitful we will be. To the measure that you abide will be the measure of the victory in your life. To the measure that we abide is to the measure that you will be fruitful. It is directly correlated. I had somebody tell me one time, prayer doesn't matter. You don't have to pray in order to do things for for God. And I said, well, okay, good luck with that. Because I, I think 
you can read just about every place in the Bible, and he's saying, no, 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 I want, I want to be with you. I love you. I died. Not to start a religion, but to get my family back together. And that everybody could come home and be with the dad. So we wouldn't be a bunch of orphans running around. But we would feel safe. We would feel loved. We would know that he was for us and not against us. Okay, the second thing, trusting his word. All right, so here's something that a lot of us do. We may be abiding in the place of talking to Jesus, but what happens is then in the place of trusting his word, we don't actually know how to do this part. All right? So we're, we don't know how to apply the promises of God and the things that he tells us. We don't actually know how to apply those in an effective way so that we will see the benefit of it. Are y'all still with me? Okay. These negative emotions, all right, so for example, if I'm feeling shame, condemnation, rejection, which are common feelings, you know, the enemy only has one playbook, right? It's like, oh, wait, I feel shame. How do you know you're feeling shame when you try to hide from people? When you try to hide away or you're not wanting to engage in a relationship, it could be due to shame. Or rejection. If I'm feeling rejected, like I misinterpreted something that somebody said, and let me, let me just stop for, pause here for a minute on my message because I want to tell you something. A lot of times we will think in our minds the motivation for people's behavior is directly towards us in rejection when in fact they probably just have a whole bunch of stuff going on. And they maybe weren't as aware of, of loving you or including you, but to think that they rejected you is just you putting your stuff on them. So don't do that. Don't, don't let your mind be a runaway emotion and a runaway train and assign things to people when they never even meant that. Okay. All right, so uh, shame, condemnation, rejection. These negative emotions are challenging what the Word of God says about you. And so that's the beauty of knowing who you are according to the Word. This book does not contain Jesus. It is Jesus' life but it doesn't contain him. He actually has gone beyond the book. He's still alive and he's still talking to us today. Now, scripture has been written and this is all that will ever be written, the holy scriptures. But I want to tell you something. There are actually promises in this book that apply to your life. A lot of people are like, I don't know what God wants me to do. Well, I know who God wants you to be. And if you start there, then you'll figure out what God wants you to do. And so I take this Bible and I turn this Bible into a weapon. It is the sword of the Lord. And I use it to thrust the enemy through and through when he starts talking to me and telling me that I need to be ashamed, embarrassed, that I am rejected, or if he ever starts saying condemning words to me. 
And I'm like, I'm sorry, I think you got the wrong address. You just visited the house of a warrior. Get out. By the authority of Jesus, I am bud, I am blood bought. I am a daughter of the Most High God. You have no authority or right to even whisper my name. Amen? And I didn't, that didn't happen overnight. That happened because I appropriated the word in a personal way where I took these scriptures and I turned them into first person. And I began to speak those things out of my mouth and I created this buffer and boundary around my life that that enemy, he's going to have to climb a really tall fence, swim a very deep and wide moat. He's going to have to climb over a, a ladder. A Help me out, people. Every kind of blockade has been put in his way to try to get to me. And by the time he arrives, he's going to be so exhausted that it's just going to be like, Get out of here. And then that's what abiding does. All right. All right. The third is obeying. More than talking and applying is obeying the word of God. There are some that want to talk to him and then they want to apply his promises. But then when he actually speaks, they're like, no, you know, I don't know if that's God. Come on, man. I've seen it over and over. They believe God for a great blessing, but they do not want to embrace his leadership over their speech. Beloved, I'm telling you right now, you have got to bridle your tongue like never before. There is an increase of power happening in the body of Christ. And that means as you abide, as you've got the word of God coming out, you cannot have a, a, a divided tongue. You can't declare one thing and then you go gossip or declare another. Let me tell you what, bad things are happening. Don't be Dr. Obvious. All right, Captain Obvious. Oh, let me tell you, blah, 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 blah. I'm just going to go ahead and get it all out of my mouth, what the enemy is doing. No. Let's talk about what heaven is doing. Begin to bridle, because here's the things. Facts are not going to bring the kingdom. I can state facts all day long about what's happening. I do not work for CNN. I work for the kingdom news conference, kingdom news Eight at network. KNN. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, okay, that's happening. Watch this. You want to see that get destroyed? Let me just release what heaven is reporting. All right. Thank you, Rob. All right. So we have to believe for the great blessing, but we also have to follow the Lord's leadership in our speech, in our money, and in our time. I mean, I'm telling you, people are like, yeah, man, I abide in Christ. I'm praying all the time. I'm believing. I'm declaring the word tithe. What? 
No, you know, the tithe has passed away. Okay, well, let's talk about Matthew 23, 23, and then we'll have that conversation. You go read it, and then we'll talk about it. Well, all the church wants is my money. No, no, the church actually didn't design this. God of heaven designed it, and it was actually for your benefit. Because I tell you what, where your heart is, that's where your money was going to be. And if your money is in your pocket and not in the kingdom, that's where your heart is, stuck right down there in your pocket going, oh, I got to hold on to all my lack instead of taking advantage of God's prosperity. If you're going to prosper in the days ahead, you better learn how to sow with your money. There will be no miracles without that. Sorry, I didn't write the book. I just report on it. K&N. <laughs> we need to get t-shirts made. So anyway, we don't want to be negligent in the realm of obedience. And here's the other thing. Let's talk about our time. Well, I just don't have time to pray. Well, okay, maybe you should put down the social media and then you're going to have your time. Come on, I'm speaking to some kids in here that are like 13, 14, 15, 16. I am telling you, the mysteries of heaven are so much more compelling than watching what a lot of other people are saying. Okay? Throw video games in there. Love you. Not saying don't play them. I'm just saying, really, guys, I mean, eight hours, let's, you know. <clears throat> All right, so. Jesus says, if you will obey me, here's what he's saying. Your capacity to experience him will increase. As you abide in him, what happens is that you're looking for the fullness of God. Well, the fullness of God isn't something that is fairy dust. It's not like going to come, well, the angels are going to come and they're going to, put their hands on me and anoint me and I'm going to have the fullness of God. That's not how that works. You're going to abide in the vine. And what happens is as you continue to do that, as you continue to talk to Jesus, you, you declare his word and you obey him, the capacity within you increases for the glory of God to dwell. So where you go now Doors are opening because it's the glory of God on you that's causing the hinges to fall off. Praise God. So our Christ-likeness increases. Amen. So when we obey God, we're agreeing with God. Therefore, we become like God. Christ-likeness are those that have said yes without measure. I'm going to give you my time. I'm going to give you my money. I'm going to give you it all. Take it all. I'm going to love God with all of my mind, my heart, my strength, my soul. My emotions are going to be under the blood of Jesus. I'm not going to go off here. I'm not going to go off there, but I'm going to stay right here, God. And sometimes, beloved, it's hard to stay in that place. Because everything wants to war against you advancing and being promoted in this place. Really, obedience is your freedom. Obedience 
is your freedom. Obedience brings us into unity with the most beautiful and loving man that's ever lived. Obedience brings us into unity with the most beautiful man that's ever lived. And in that place is where you will experience the most freedom. How do we practically abide? We fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Paul talks about this a couple of times. We take the word, we use the word as a blueprint for dialogue. You know, um, Lindsay Hatch does this better than anybody I've ever met. And we do it here in the prayer room when we have worship with the word. The reason we do worship with the word is we actually take the word and we put it in first person and we sing the word to the Lord. And, and as you're in the word, during your time of abiding and during your time of prayer, you take the word and you use it for dialogue. Because I don't know about you, sometimes I run out of things to say, which is pretty much all the time because I don't have that, you know, it's like, well, I don't have a whole lot going on compared to you, God. I mean, you're probably pretty busy and you've got a whole universe that you created and, you know billions of people and angels and funny creatures up there with you. And so what do I, how do I add to that dialogue? Well, Lord, you know, my little bitty whatever that's I'm carrying in my heart. But when I go to his word and I say to him, you said that you're the beginning and the end. You're the alpha and the omega. I need to know about that. Jesus, tell me about that. What is that like? What does that mean for my life? How do I apply you being the source of all infinite understanding? How do I apply that to my life? How do I give that language? I want to know you. And I mean, you can use every single scripture in the word and you can say, Tell me about this. Tell me about how I look like you. Tell me about how you said I'm a king and a priest to you. What does that look like? What does that mean? What were you thinking on the day that you wrote that? How does that have eternal significance to you? And you begin to have this dialogue where he takes you into the deep mysteries. Sometimes we've got to get better at having our end of the dialogue so that we can prompt him. Again, he's not going to do it without you. And so this, to me, is an endless supply of communication. And it helps me to mature and develop. But it also gets the word in me so that when the enemy comes in to try to trick me into believing the lies about who I am, he can't even get me to engage. Because it's like, oh, wait, I know that voice. That's not mine. So it's not enough to study the Bible, but we, we must talk to the God of the Bible. The Bible study is meant to lead us into a conversation with God by giving us conversational material for our prayer life. It provides the language we use as we talk to him. Using Bible and speaking the word back to God makes prayer easy and enjoyable. It turns up the volume with our conversations with God. 
He's like, wait, you're talking to me about what I said. How many of you love to, to listen to people when they start talking to you about what you've already said? Right? You know that boss that was like, no, we're not going to do that idea. And you say, I think this is a good idea. And then six months later, he comes up with the same idea. And you're like, oh, okay, now let's talk about that. Well, it's Jesus's idea. And we just go to him going, hey, you remember when you said that? Let's talk about that. And he says, oh, my gosh, that's a good idea. You know what? Let's talk about it because here's the power behind it. Here's what my imagination was thinking. Here's what the father inspired me to say when I said it. I mean, just everything. Here are the emotions that surround it. And this is what it means for your life. Come on. All right. So I'm going to leave you with this. Uh, John chapter 5. Verse 39, you search the scriptures, Bible study, for in them you think you have life, uh, you have life, these, but these are they that testify of me, and you're not willing to come to me or talk to me so that you may have life. I love Jesus, and he is alive and living, and he has something to say about everything that's happening in the world right now. And all you have to do is follow him. We don't have to be afraid of what this person's going to do, what that governor's going to do, what that president's going to do, what Q's going to do. Yes, I went there. None of that is going to save us. You know that, right? We serve an uncreated God. And as we do what he tells us to do, there will be life on it. There will be love on it. There will be fruitfulness on it that will be eternal forever, and it will never, ever go away. Amen? All right, let's stand. Well, Jesus, I just thank you for the privilege of worshiping you. I thank you, God, that you are raising up your army in the land right now. Father, that you are stirring the sleeping beauty. Your church, you are stirring her, and she is waking up, God, a beautiful bride that will not be denied of your love, that will not be denied your word, that will not be denied the truth of who you are and will not be denied worship. So I prophesy over you that you are the head and not the tail, that you are strong in Christ and you were created for such a time as this and your best days are ahead of you. And the very thing from the beginning of time is culminating in your generation. And you were born for such a time as this. Let be strengthened by the power of the Holy Spirit and by his love today. I ask you, Holy Spirit, that you would come and drop the truth into our spirits that we will align ourselves and abide in you and you alone. And I pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said...